Hey everyone, how you doing? Um, thanks for clicking, downloading, being forced to listen to this nonsense. Um, it's been a wee while since I did the last one. I've had a couple of uh, girls at it in between, but a couple of the recordings haven't come out particularly well. This is an exception. Um, this uh, edition of around about 35 minutes is with um, Ali Carmichael, who is a uh, who's the, the owner and co-founder of um, Experience UX, who are a client of mine and uh, an excellent uh, experience design agency based in Bournemouth. Um, Ali has a lot of interesting thoughts and interesting things to say about the future of um, experience design, I suppose you call it, and humans' relationship with technology moving forward and the whole persuasion manipulation uh, argument that that I've, I've, I've kind of been embroiled in for quite a while. Um, and also, of course, the human uh, the human's use of, of technology as it becomes more and more ingrained in everyday life. I won't um, ramble on too much uh, at the start. Um, at the end of uh, the podcast or this episode, I, there's a few little updates I'll just, um, I'll just uh, provide. But I hope uh, that everyone is healthy and all your loved ones are well and you're not finding the current situation too much of a uh, of a strain um uh, i'm sure i'm sure there are there are uh, we're all we're all um getting through different things in different ways so i wish you i wish you all very well and and, and i hope you'll call and i hope i can catch up with you all individually um or collectively um pretty soon so i hope you enjoy this episode um and i'll come back at the end with some more kind of rambling nonsense um okay cheers all right, there we go. So we're off. We're off and running. So, hello. Um, hello. Who are who are you? <laughs> who are you? And what do you do? And what are you doing on while we spend in a Wednesday afternoon talking to each other over a Chrome browser? <laughs> yes, funny time. So I'm Ali Carmichael. I am managing director and owner of Experience UX. Um, having recently taken over the business, um, it's been two of us running it since 2007. So we've gone through quite a bit of change. Uh, where I've uh, bought out my business partner um, and now running it uh, solely at the helm. Um, always running quite well for the first month and a half and then uh, coronavirus kicked in, which was uh, very enjoyable. So here we are. So we specialise in usability testing, user research and the wider space of UX, um, but feeling the need to really sort of go back to our bread and butter go back to what we could be the best in the world at, which really is the user research and the usability testing space. Cool. And 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 uh, in the interest of openness, um, I think most people who listen to this will know that I, I've worked with you guys for about 18 months now, maybe a wee bit longer. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, and, and, and most people who listen to this nonsense as well will know my interest in in all things behavioural and, and sciencey and human behaviour and human computer interactions and relationships and all that kind of stuff um so you mentioned uh a little bit around how the the virus has kind of um because we're, we're kind of talking early june 2020 and you mentioned yep. about how the virus has kind of um interrupted you getting your getting your feet under the table really with the business H how do you think it's um how do you think it's affecting the way businesses potentially look at understanding what their customers 
quite what their customers need because I, I do you think people are, are starting to not worry so much about that and just focused on getting stuff out there um or a bit like gdpr people seem to have stepped away from gdpr a little bit um or do you think people are are kind of really kind of doubling down on the the way they need to understand and work with their with their customers what's your what's your kind of viewpoint on the how the and how businesses are kind of responding to that from a slightly more of an observational standpoint at the moment i think from an observational perspective it's really difficult to say how people are really reacting from what i'm seeing and hearing i think um the tech world has kind of exploded there's an awful lot of projects being fast-tracked i'm speaking to quite a few people and spent my time really trying to catch up with people and sort of finding out what their world looks like and um, those that work client side i'm hearing that they're, they're having projects rolled out that would normally sort of take 18 months to get signed off and messed about with and, and changed last minute and they're rolling these things out within a few weeks so i think the focus hasn't been so much on the user uh, on the customer on understanding and designing solutions around them so much because there's been an absolute need to get things to market quickly certainly in the health space sector um, and in the retail sector and, and, and now we're seeing in the uh, restaurant sector as people move from being able to serve their food uh, to table uh, having to switch to an online uh, model that allows people not only to order their food online but also to arrange for delivery and pickup and, and these things have been rolled out at quite a big speed so my feeling is that there's going to be quite a, um, a deluge of projects products digital services that have been moved out quite quickly and haven't really gone through the processes that they, they probably would normally go through uh, and certainly haven't had the time to look at them and plan them from a user perspective um, or test them from a user perspective before they get rolled out. So I think there's going to be a big need to really start thinking about that as, as we move through the summer into autumn and to start thinking about how do these products and services really cater to our users? How are they going to survive the long term? Because if there's a lot of these products and projects that yeah. are out there have gone live, yeah. um, they're not all going to last forever. So those that want them to are going to really need to start thinking about getting them redesigned quickly and reshaped quickly. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Did you? Because because I've got my own thoughts on, and I, I, I hate this word, this pivot word, but a lot of businesses have done that, haven't they? They've pivoted the way they deliver services one way into another. Yeah. And and i don't i don't know whether there's there's real longevity in that and um on, on on the on the other side of that 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 coin do you think with your background in understanding users and user behavior and user experience do you think it's a case that that the way businesses have had to change in delivering their services will will change the behavior of the customers or will eventually customers go back to what they've always always done and you talk a lot and it'd be great if you could talk a wee bit about this in a second but you've talked a lot about mental models in the past so, so do you think that excuse me do you think the customers mental models have been changed because businesses have have had to change the way they deliver their services and if so if so how, how you know are people going to go back to are customers going to go back to the way they always 
they always kind of behaved or, or has it kind of changed for good because of necessity? What do you think about that? My view, and it is really just my view, um, sadly, is that I think we will get back to pre-COVID-19 when it comes to our expectations and our decision making. I think there'll be a window where we remember and, and still live a life of wanting to do good for our local providers, wanting to be more conscious about where we're buying from and who we're buying from. Um, not really minding that we can't get something delivered tomorrow. It's okay for something to be delivered in a few days' time. Uh, for not having to wait for the sales to get stuff dirt cheap and actually feeling, actually, I want to buy products at the right price because I want that product and I've taken my time to think about wanting that product. So I think maybe we're buying less at the moment. We're, we're buying things that we really want and, and really are going to enjoy having. Um, and I think that's a great world to be in. I think that's a really nice space. And I would really love for that to be uh, the continuation of how we live our lives. But, you know, once we start getting back to buying more from Amazon and getting things delivered tomorrow, uh, once we start going back to using the more uh, nationwide providers who have got probably the slicker processes and, and websites um, and stock uh, and, and delivery options, um, then I think we'll slowly start getting, unfortunately, back to back to where we were before. And why do you think we do that? Because you've worked with heaven knows how many different customers and audience types, for want of a better word, and 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 needs and demands and motivations over the over fifteen twenty years. Is it a? I mean, I've got my own ponderings over it, but is it just an intrinsic kind of? intrinsic different layers of maybe something like Maslow's hierarchy of nonsense or need sorry um, um <laughs> well I think something, I think oh have we been trained is, is is you know what's the where do you where do you think where do you sit on that I think our intrinsic motivations are different at this point in time they've changed to react to our emotions and the uncertainty of COVID-19 but you're right the intrinsic motivation is the important point here because in a way we can't always control that and really what people want is convenience and efficiency and at the moment we're not so focused on convenience and efficiency because we're in this slightly different bubble uh, of uh, lockdown um, and working from home and some people are furloughed um, a lot of people are worried about whether they've got jobs to go back to but we're all in it together and that's the difference that's the difference thing at the moment so we're all able to make slightly different decisions and i think our intrinsic motivations are different right now mm. But I think those intrinsic motivations, rightly or wrongly, will revert back as we come out of this. Well, we're all we're all in it together, apart from if your name's Dominic Cummings, right? Because um, <laughs> he's not, is he? But oh, okay. So so how? Okay. So 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 there's a bit of an ethical kind of quandary there for me. I think we shared, didn't we? We shared a document, uh, an article a little while ago about this, uh, written by an American guy about this tsunami of marketing. Yeah. That is soon to be unleashed on, on <laughs> us all, right? Yes. And, yes. And we're kind of seeing it at the moment, right? I mean, I've, we were talking only earlier today, weren't we, about marketing and, and about about how neither of us are marketeers, but 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 marketing does feed some some intrinsic motivations within within us all, and. And do you think that there will be a period of a period of resistance to that to that machine, that marketing machine, which will 
which will potentially manifest itself in us kind of pushing back against it. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting marketing just as a business owner who's not a marketer. Yeah. I find marketing very difficult to get my, my head around um, from a tangibility perspective, if that's a word. Um, I think I think you're right. I think there's going to be a bun fight as we come out of this. And there's going to be a lot of providers trying to catch up on themselves. Um, I think as as we just talked about there, I think as we're in a process of making, maybe taking a bit more time to make buying decisions whilst we're in this window, um, there's going to be more options for the, for the consumer, uh, but a bun fight for the providers. Um, and therefore, those that have the budgets and the marketing engines are going to be doing what they can to um, adapt our thinking quickly, to, to maybe nudge our intrinsic motivations, to try to convince us to um, yeah get out of this window, get out of this bubble as quick as possible, so they can take advantage of that. And how do you think that how do you think that will manifest itself in terms of designing kind of user experiences and 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 interactions around that? Because if we're if 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 if, if there's less money, if there's more resistance to the inevitability in the short term of going back to the way it was does that mean that businesses will have to change their experience design for want of a kind of very highfalutin phrase from their from the way their 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 their, their, their websites kind of interact with individuals to their customer journeys to that or or do they just leave them the same what's your do you know what I mean? What's your view on that? If there's more resistance, if there's different customer behaviour, did the did the previous ways that digital products were designed and delivered is that going to be is that going to going to be relevant for the sh in the short medium term? While there's this still this kind of pushback a little bit, what do you think about that? I think I think what's needed really to to kind of get the right balance here is for organizations to to be providing their products and services and thinking slightly more from a long-term perspective so thinking more about sort of lifetime customer value rather than short-term customer value so i think everyone's going to be coming out of this and thinking about their short-term needs um quite rightly businesses need cash in the bank they need to survive um so it's gonna be very difficult for businesses to be thinking medium and longer term um certainly those that have been really affected by this but i think the I think the, the big change comes for those organizations where they start thinking more about lifetime customer value and start to think about their products and services from a longevity perspective and how if we can, rather than just trying to flog things to our customers and our users immediately, can we start building up proper relationships with them? Can we start really genuinely caring about our customers and our users and mm leaning in a bit more to understand them, to understand what they really need and what they don't really need and shaping our products and services around that. Uh, you, you've raised a really interesting point there. And you talked to, you, you said the word caring, right? So, so I, I've been looking online quite a lot at the moment, quite a lot recently around the, 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 the George Floyd situation and how, um, for want of a better word, brands are 
uh, exploiting um, uh, what's going on in the, I think what's going on in the states um, in terms of their um, very kind of not even sycophantic that's the wrong word but very crude um, you know for example the Hilton Hotel saying they stand together with the black community right um, I find that really um, having grown up in North we talked about this the other day as well having grown up where I grew up in North London where a lot of my mates were black and, and there was a lot of um, there was a lot of trouble with the police for all of us but specific, you know, certainly them um, seeing Hilton Hotels put out nonsense like that um, is it doesn't doesn't show a level of care to me that shows opportunism do, do you do you think then that the way you user experiences are designed as opposed to the way marketing materials are designed is the way to show brand to, for brands to show that they really care about their customers because there is a lot of um there's a lot of uh, resistance, I think, in, in, in people to go, well, you're just, you don't really mean that. <laughs> what you're saying as a brand, you don't really mean that. Mm. Um, you're just trying to take advantage of this situation. How, how, can we, how can we design care and how can we project care into the way, into the way experiences are designed or, 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 or products are designed? And, and, and have you seen any examples of that over there? because oh, you've worked with companies from you know charities companies of all sizes have you seen any instances of that that you would that you would kind of reflect back on and, and say to any businesses now this is the kind of thing you want to start looking at i think um i think it's interesting this you know we're talking about a very big subject here but people work in these brands and they are people and, and, you know, we, we look at these organizations and some of the massive global organizations and some of them have big histories that are, you know, they've been up and down, shall we say. But they are genuine people that work within them. So I think it's 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 the organizations have to think about being being genuine as a brand. But the people that are on the marketing team or on the digital marketing teams are just the individuals. And there might be a bit of a sign off process going on there. But how much is the digital marketing team really tying into the to the brand of the large global organization it's a very it's a snippet in time mm. they're not taking on board the overarching brand and what it means to the world and, and how people feel about the world and and that that you know that that's a whole conversation in its in itself really um what can these organizations do you can't you can't genuinely be specific to any one customer as a brand. The individuals that work within your organization can be specific and individual to each and every one of us if they have the right infrastructure in place. But what can they do to care? I think it's got to be genuine. You've got to, as a brand, think about what you mean by, by caring. Think about what, that, what, that, what role that plays. People can see through the noise now. So when you know, when a tweet comes out or an Instagram update comes out from a brand saying something, most people can see through if it doesn't quite tie in with the overarching brand. And they might be saying something that's, that's honestly and genuinely coming from the heart of either the individual or the team that's putting that out there. And that's absolutely right. And the brand will be standing by these statements and will be saying that this is this is us and we stand by that. They may they may have a history, but at that point in time, that's what they believe. 
But you can't demonstrate care in a moment of time. That only happens over a long period of time. And that's back to lifetime customer value. That's back to thinking about our products and services over a longer period of time rather than just the short term. That's a really good point. How can you underpin that then? With the work you do, Ali, and, and EUX do, how can you underpin that 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 kind of... So, so let's take a great example. Right? So let's take an example of a business that is is uh, moving in the right direction. So, so you know, you, EUX work with the Open University, right? And, and I, I'm, I'm a student of theirs, and, and I see them uh, very much as a... Uh, a, a, a brand for want of a better word that really cares about people and cares about knowledge and education and supporting um, people in all, all, all levels of society in inverted commas um, how how can you you reinforce that perception I've got of the business in the type of work you guys do and and how do you kind of maintain that throughout the whole um, the whole piece of what you do from your re- from your the strength of your research through to your kind of um, your, your usability testing and and potentially a little bit of a little bit of kind of solutions design. Have you got any ideas or examples of how you can of how you do that? I think the, the core aspect of the work that we do, which is helping our clients and, and the Open University being one of them, going out and, and doing the research up front before designing new products and services, and then when these things are in in play and they're being developed. Uh, and prototypes, we, we're, we're brought in to bring the end users in to test these products. So they're genuinely thinking about their end users. They're genuinely thinking about designing products and services that meet the needs of their users. It's not just an idea that someone's had within the organization that they want to roll out because it's the fun thing to do at the moment or it's the latest fad or the competitors are doing this. It's a genuine desire to understand and lean in to their customers and their users and shape things around around that. So, as you say, they, they have a very broad spectrum of an audience because they're distance learning. That opens up the possibility of education and people getting degrees mm. that they might otherwise find very difficult to do. So it's a very important service they provide to a to, many people in many different lifestyles and many different situations who might not otherwise have the opportunity and and and, you know you're you're a student yourself dave and you're you know you're managing a family a household a job you know um clients customers um and other lifestyles that that you got to do whilst whilst having the desire to to be educated and to expand your knowledge and and the open university allow you to do that It's, it's, it's interesting. One of the things that we were, we've been speaking about quite a lot recently, you and I, is around the what what the OU have done really well, and I think as a, you know, as a result of the work you guys have done with them, is they've um, they've individualised um, student experience to a certain extent. You know, it's a big part of of a student life. You know, you, you get an individual. Uh, experience and you know you're, you're, you're presented with lots of individual choices and opportunities uh, and one of the things that that is uh, has always been very uh, prevalent in the wider digital space the wider digital product space is that kind of that personalized experience you know and, and we've done a few talks recently on the personal personalized and individual 
individualized experiences and um sometimes i find them very um overwhelming actually i am confronted with signings pop-ups feedback loops that kind of stuff do you do you think we're reaching in in for some businesses and some industries and some types of products or do you think we're reaching kind of saturation point with 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 personalization do you think the very nature of personalization is actually turning people off of of of, 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 of do you know what i mean of, of, of interacting uh i mean yeah i mean, I, I, I think the problem we've got at the moment is that personalization can get lazy and i think there's a lot of lazy personalization out there and that's what most of our users are suffering with because a lot of these websites tools that companies are using have personalization features or they might plug in salesforce uh, to provide a personalization service but they're ultimately sort of flicking a switch and turning on personalization uh, because it's available and, and it's the kind of the thing to do rather than as per what i was saying earlier going out and really understanding what are the needs and requirements of their different user groups and what would personalization look like to them? What is the need of an individual service? Does it need to be individual or does it just need to be better? Um, what does personalization look like? Is it as simple as just saying, hello, Mr. Carmichael, welcome to our website. Um, sign up here, click this box here um, every time you come in or here's some content because you looked at it last time or the one that really bugs me is here's a bunch of products that you've already bought but because we saw you looking for them we're going to show lots of the same product at you I mean that's very lazy personalization mm. so I think there's I think there's a role for personalization moving forward and I think as as our services become more clever as we think about the relationship more as I talked about earlier it's that longevity of the relationship we can start building on a more personalized service over a period of time rather than turning on personalization and expecting it to work so i think we've got two ends of the scale there i think you've got lazy personalization which really doesn't add to the experience but then we've got maybe organizations trying too hard to provide an individual experience when an individual experience isn't really needed it just needs to be a better experience yeah okay that's a really good point do you think um, that laziness is as a result of this desire and craving for data and 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 big data and in inverted commas? So do you think rather than have confidence in the way we've designed or we design online experiences to to feed into that long-term value narrative, do you think we kind of or the industry grabs for for personalization irrespective of whether it's it's beneficial to the user because of this desire for data this desire to keep feeding this data machine yeah i mean there's there's a definite desire for data but i think the the kind of some of the laziness is because they're relying just on the data and that that's the flip of it which is we have so much data we move away from understanding the human aspect of it and that really is i think getting towards a a problem as we as we build into that as everything becomes more automated everything has data behind it people are using the data to make decisions because it's in front of them because actually it's easier once it's set up we invest an awful lot of money to get the data because once we've got the data we've got it and we can use it and actually if we then if something doesn't work properly or we make a mistake 
we can kind of turn to the data and say, yeah, but we, we followed the data. That's what the data was telling us. Whereas actually leaning into your customers, leaning into your users, understanding them on a one-to-one -one basis, um, understanding those intrinsic motivations, challenging our brand, challenging our products and, and services, challenging our marketing goals based on pragmatic, sleeves rolled up, on the ground, understanding of our customers and users yeah it's gonna it's, it's that it's it's gonna come a problem where the data rules everything and everything becomes automated and personalized in inverted commas but there's no leaning into the customers and, and therefore we're not we're not really seeing what's going on and therefore we're not really designing our products and services around what the users need that's a really interesting point can, can i throw two things two things at you and um, like all, all, all these little podcast chats, I never, we, we, as those who have been on it, they, I don't really give the people who are kind enough to come on a chance to prepare because <laughs> it's always a bit, a, a, a bit, um, it flows a little bit better. But do you think, I, 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 I believe that the reason that we've ended up where we've ended up with, uh, in many cases, a disconnect between, um, or, or an ever-increasing gap between what technology and digital products could be um, and what they are in terms of how they can support people. Right? I think there's a massive there's a, there's a massive gap, and we're, we're we're nowhere near fulfilling our potential in terms of what digital technology and, and products and websites and apps and etc. etc. Um, <clears throat> can do. And if we can't get that right, we haven't got a fucking chance with AI, frankly. Um, I, I think there's, it's a result of this desire to grab people's attention. And once we've got people's attention, we're not really that interested in in what they want to get out of that. We just want to keep their attention one way or another. Yeah, it's, um, back, to, it's back to data, isn't it, Dave? It's back to, mm. you know, we need we need the likes, we need the followers. It's, not, it's reporting, it's internal reporting. It's the, you know, we've got to report up, we've got to show movement, we've got to show progress. Mm. And, and you can't, you know, it's difficult to, to report back on a few conversations you've had with people that have provided a bit of insight that you might not otherwise have had mm. because you've only spoken to a few people was when you've got an extra thousand followers you know 500 people that like this article um that stuff That's you can report on and and you know be successful in your in, in your job and, and that you know people have to do that and that's 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 a role people have and and that's important and, and that is part of the process but it becomes a problem when people stop thinking about the human and it becomes too much of their world but can I ask you a question then? How do you deal with that? How do you deal with 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 sitting down with a with a client potentially who has gone, well actually I've got a thousand new likes or I've got ten thousand people who viewed that post. Yeah. Um and you're coming to me, Ali, and telling me you've had conversations with five customers yeah. and they've said something different. So how how do you Where'd you go with that? There's different levels of conversation. Yeah, I had a mm -hmm. conversation with a client yesterday and we were talking about um, the stats and, and, and he works in, in marketing and his role is obviously to, to get, get people into the website and to get them to sign up. And, you know, he's a great guy and, and really honest and open and, and looking for the, the service that they provide to really reach out and... and Get a bigger audience, but not to get a bigger audience for the audience's sake, for the figure's sake, because they want more people using their service. So we are having this conversation, and, and it was 
obviously talking about, you know, yeah, they've got a lot of people come to the website, but at the moment we weren't getting as many registrations as I would like, which was fine. And, and you know, the, the work that we would do for them, which is the usability testing, will help to remove the barriers in the journey and therefore encourage more people to uh, to sign up because there's there's less things getting in the way of them doing so. And we're helping them, we're helping answer their questions through the journey. Mm. But actually, as I said to him, but the thing is, really, the, the, the goal here isn't registrations. The goal here is engagement. You know, we can, there's no point getting people to register if they then never use your service again. So really, you've got to think about what the ultimate goal is here as a, as a business. And, and this is, you know, back to kind of the, the big questions about caring and things like that. You know, is, there, is caring, caring might be too woolly a word, I don't know, but... It's about businesses realizing what they're doing and why they're doing it. Isn't about getting the likes, isn't about getting the followers. That might be a means to an end and that's kind of okay. But when you focus so much on those numbers, you kind of lose sight of what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. So really the, the organizations have to have those kind of values and visions in place that are genuinely trying to design their products and services to do better to provide a better service to their customers and users. And when we're reporting on the numbers, it's great. Okay, we've got a thousand more followers, but what does that therefore mean? Hmm. So we don't just sign off and go, whoopie do an extra thousand followers. What does an extra thousand followers mean? How many of those are engaged? How many of those are coming back? How many of those are actually using our service? How many people are getting through the next stage of the process, etc., hmm. etc. Et so that that's in that in that level of service, that's that's the important aspect there. But, you know, you still got a lot of people out there who are just about trying to, you know, they are, they're trying to sell product. And again, that's, that's kind of fine because that's your job and that's your business is trying to, trying to shift more product. Um, and actually we just need to sell this, this flower pots right now. We're not so fussed about longevity at this point in time. And that's where I think that the change needs to happen. I think organizations have a responsibility to be thinking a little bit different. And we, we, we need to move away from, brands and products that are throwawayable um, and you know you, you buy them you can't quite remember why you bought it it doesn't maybe does a little job for a short period of time the quality isn't very high you're gonna chuck it eventually um, it should we really be spending our time buying those things as customers and should we as brands be developing and selling those products um, another question I suppose questions do, do you see because because you you always ask some questions that really make me think and and do you see that as a mass as a big part of what you guys do and also a big part of you know asking the right questions not just the right questions but in the right language do you think that is with what's going on with covid and the the landscape from a economic societal business digital point of view do you think do you think not only asking the right questions is important, but do you think asking the right questions in, in, a, in a slightly different way is, is more important? Because that's one thing I've always been impressed with at UX is the questions you ask are really very different to the way I'd ask questions. And you, you kind of pull out slightly different responses than maybe one would, one would normally get from, from very think, kind of, you know, do, think, do, do you see that as a growing, growing part of what you need to do? Yeah, I think... Um... I think often when we're working with our clients and looking at questions that we ask, when you're when you're when you're asking questions about your own brand, 
you are asking them in the way where you're trying subconsciously you want people to like what you do you subconsciously you need people to like your work and there's always a marketing aspect to it as well so you're trying to kind of sell and trying to promote so you've got those two things battling with you when you're trying to put your questions together um and you've got to remove that when you're trying to ask questions and not think about things from a marketing perspective and not think about things trying to get a positive reaction it's trying to get into the reality of what is actually going on better to know now than to find out when it's too late better to to get under the skin of that and work out exactly what's going on you know we've got people registering but they're not engaging so we can we can blow the trumpet about our registrations and you know run those reports and, and look at how good we are and carry on that marketing engine and, and keep sending out emails and keep sort of getting people to sign up but it's not an engaged audience so the business will ultimately suffer because of that so you've got all this positive reporting but a business that suffers so there's got to be there's got to be a step back from that there's got to be uh, a thinking about what are we really trying to find out here and probably a desire to actually get the bad stuff go out there to find what the problems are rather than to confirm the good stuff and and we in our nature are there to to look at where the where the barriers are you know what's stopping people doing business with you what's why are people unable to complete the form why are people unable to find what they're looking for uh, why are your customers not advocates there's normally barriers in the way and and so we're our, our reporting back to our clients is normally highlighting the issues but it's got to be done in a way that's you know we're not we're not there to sort of point fingers or anything uh, our job is to to help and support so they're always wrapped up in a as a recommendation rather than a finding um, but we can't get those recommendations that really solve the problem unless you're asking the right questions in the right format. Two aspects to that, two, two, two kind of further kind of lead-ons from that, which I, I think are probably more, more relevant than ever nowadays, is firstly, um, how, do you, how much emphasis should we put, do you put, should any... Um, any business that's any business that's developing new products and developing new digital products, how much emphasis should should we put on asking questions that incorporate the wider context of an individual of an individual or a group of individuals? I.e., how far do we go down the line to move away from click here, do this, or observing them through that? How far do we go into their how far can you go into in, into their intrinsic motivations before you kind of end up in a in a bit of a kind of rabbit hole? So so how do you balance that as a as a kind of experience designer? I think you have to look at the overall experience, and again back to kind of a, a slightly longer term experience mm. that that maybe loops its way back round. So it's not necessarily about sending people down one rabbit hole and kind mm. of never seeing them again. It's it, it needs to be cyclical. It needs to be, you know, th this this engagement right now is the first step of, of many engagements we're going to have over a period of time. So yeah, yeah we need okay. to treat yeah. you like that. We need to we need to understand where you're at right now in your Mr. Customer in your in your world, uh, and therefore you know what kind of user profile do you fit into, so we can help you find what you're looking for right now. Um, 
answer any questions you have right now. They're going to help you make a decision whether to buy with us or, or not. Um, but either way, whatever you do now, we want to make that experience uh, pleasant and memorable so we can build on that. And I think I think we do need to be able to have the opportunity to capture information from from our users if they're if they're willing to give it. But we want them to be wanting to give it to us because there's something they're going to get from that because they've decided to do that because they like our brand, they like the way we're talking to them, they like the products we provide. And even if we haven't got the product for them right now, they're more likely. We're more likely to get business from them in the future if we're talking to them at their level and we're understanding who they are and we're giving them the choices rather than trying to force them to sign up to our newsletter and then it's become another <laughs> number in our, in our sign-up list. Can, can I ask you a question, Lady, from that then? Because that's a really good point. Do you sometimes see yourself and the work you do and... and, and, and um researchers and and experienced designers do you see them as really being the eyes and ears of your clients properly you use the term leaning in a lot um in 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 the last half an hour do you do you you see yourselves as, as that you know you you're really the eyes and ears to a certain extent of 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 clients and their relationship with with customers that cannot be that cannot be understood in any great way by looking at a, a social media feed or looking at a uh, looking at a, a database of click throughs, you know. And, and, I think if that's the ca- and if that's the case, how how much emphasis should one put on really kind of on on on, on how to best listen and how to best pull that pull that in? Uh, we provide the pragmatic view, mm. and I think that's a really important okay. view that, yeah. that more businesses need to. Yeah. need to have in their conversation have in their armory i think because it's not quite so tangible um you can't point back to it as a as a point of reference all the time but i think it's really important i think it's a pragmatic perspective of what's going on a real view of what the customer journey looks like a real view of what your marketplace looks like a real view of your competition you know you, you we see this a lot where you know oh yeah we know our competitors they're they're a bit showy but their their products aren't that good and that may they may that may be true but if the customer sees their competitors as a leading player or oh isn't that a really nice website or i really like to engage with them or i really like their social media that's 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 important that's that's reality at that point in time and you need to admit to that and accept that and be able to react to that accordingly um there's no point just kind of um bobbing off part of the world because of your own perspective or what you know or what you think you know uh, and sort of going headlong into products and services and projects and campaigns that, that you believe are right without understanding what the world looks like in the shoes of your user and and the data gives you the patterns and the data is important I'm, I'm not here to to denounce data as uh, as, an, as an evil player in all of this data is very important but it needs to be used effectively and it needs to be used in line with that real world view because otherwise you're kind of always missing that that point and, and if you're not looking to challenge yourself by looking at it from a pure customer perspective you might just miss out on a big business opportunity 
That's a good way to end, Ellie. That's a, data gives you, the, I like that, data gives you the patterns, but doesn't, yeah. That's a really good, you, you've never said that to me before. That's a really good, <laughs> and we have long conversations about We you know, do, that, we do. And I, oh, it's, like it's, really, it's really interesting talking to you in this format because I kind of feel like I haven't really smiled during this and uh, <laughs> I've been so focused on trying <laughs> yeah, to say the right thing. I don't, even know, I don't even know if I've answered your questions, Dave, as I, as I whittled away there. I got to the end of what I was saying going, I can't, you know, did I answer that? What, what were you asking me there? No, but hopefully, hopefully it was useful and hopefully it made a bit of sense. <laughs> no, it was, it was really good. There's a, there's a couple of things, actually. There's a couple of things I've been reading recently. Um, there's a book, and actually, I've told you about this. There's a book that's got a chapter in it that you could have written, actually. Um, it's it's and I recommend this to everybody. It's called "You're Not Listening" by um, someone called Kate Murphy. Um, it's astonishing. All my clients, you're going to get a copy of this, but all my clients are going to get a copy of copy of this once I finished okay. it. Um, uh, it's how we've how we've kind of forgotten how to listen to yeah. people. Yeah. Um, really, really listen. Yeah. Um, and, and and the second one is uh, one called um, uh, "Attention." Uh, the attention merchants, which is, um, uh, it's kind of sub uh, subheading is the epic struggle to get inside our heads, um, for by the big boys, by Amazon and Google, and and actually how it's always been like that, and um, and how that's changed the way we um, uh, changes the way we interact with technology and each other. Yeah. So they kind of they kind of link. But but now Ali, thank you. That was fantastic. We're going to have to do another one of these because we haven't covered half the things I wanted to cover. Um, and we have 45 minutes in, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a pleasure as always. But yes, I know we, we, we keep, we're good at rambling on about things. And uh, who knows if we make sense or not. Well, that's my, I never make sense. I know that. I'll get feedback. <laughs> so uh, thank you, mate. I'm just going to, I'm my gonna, pleasure. I'm going to press the big red button now. And All right. we'll start. But thanks very much, Ellie. Cheers. Thanks, Dave. Hey, so I um, hope you enjoyed that. Thanks to Ali. Um, deep thanks to Ali for getting involved. Um, so Ali's business is Experience UX. Uh, check them out online. They do great training. They've got great blogs, great articles. Um, I've done a couple of webinars, a few webinars with them in, in the past in terms of the relationship between, the future relationship between humans and experience design and tech. So do check, check out their, their content. Um, have a look on DuckDuckGov rather than Google. Search on DuckDuckGov rather than Google and you'll find out a lot more on them there. Um, just a couple of quick updates on me. Uh, from, uh, I've got a talk coming up um, on humane tech uh, and the drivers for it and, and specifically attention focused design and, and the knock on effects of that uh, on the 15th of June. For some reason, I've been asked to talk at a digital leaders event. And for some other obscure reason, a couple of hundred people have signed up to it. Um, and that's on the 15th of June at one o'clock. Um, so so check it out. Um, just again, just type in digital leaders online and you'll you'll kind of find out what's going on there. Um, more content, more information, more research, more papers, more thoughts have been published on that whole human and humane tech uh, research piece on firesmoke.co, which is my little side research project. Um, so have a look on there if you're interested in kind of continuing the, the debate and the thought process. A couple of really good books um, that I'm reading at the moment. You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. Check that out. That's really, really good. Um, and uh, interestingly, The Attention Merchants, which is by a guy called Tim Wu. So check that out. 
hope you're well. Send you much love and best wishes. And I hope um, to speak to you and see you again soon. Take care. Bye.